see, usually I start the recording so I know when to talk, but uh, it hasn't worked out this time. I'm, I got a haircut today, and uh, I think I may have mentioned a while back, uh, a while ago, this is some follow-up, as they say, uh, that um, my barber, the Dutch fellow, he, uh, he had, had never had Twinkies, and uh, he also was curious about Hamburger Helper. And I just threw in a bag, a little bag of Reese's uh, peanut butter cups because I don't really have that here. So I brought I brought that haul to him and he was he was genuinely uh, interested in it. He was excited. He took a picture and sent it to his nutritionist. Uh, just as, <laughs> as sort of like, you know, he nerfed you out. Wow. <laughs> right. Making friends with the nutritionist. But I was just remembering uh, before we were recording that I, I missed my haircutting appointment last time that's why my hair was really long and and he ended up like charging me some penalty for it uh which you know i thought maybe if i gave him the hamburger helper it'd be cool he wouldn't, oh, wow. wouldn't charge me but he's, he's all business i guess so i don't know what, what what's what's what else feels on that if if i if i miss an appointment do I, to, <laughs> do I need to pay or is it just sort of like whatever well are well, you a long time uh, uh patron of this place I mean, this is like the fifth time I've been there, I think. But but did you miss the appointment and like didn't cancel it or something? Yeah, I I totally forgot that I had it. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, you know, some places will do that. Your your (laughs) options are, you you know, you pay the fee or you never go back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, maybe maybe in a month or so, I'll hear how the hamburger helper went and the Twinkies. He 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 really went on about the Twinkies. He was like, "I heard that these are much better after the apocalypse." <laughs> he knows the whole. Wait, do, does he know something we don't know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Uh, ooh, no wonder he was trying to close out all of his accounts, make sure he collect all that money before anything happens. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's too bad. Well, uh, you know, as promised last, uh, whenever we talked, that uh, I might remember. Uh, we were going to do, uh, at the end of the year, there's not that much tech news going on. There's a few interesting items. In particular, there's apparently uh, some some uh, article about A.W.S. in the New York Times. <laughs> I guess there's another dot after the S, right? Or no, yeah, I was about to yes, say. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oof. Copy editors, New York Times, not big fans of the cloud. That's what I think. Now, yeah. now it, it, this was their golden opportunity to weigh in and, and write a dot m dot i dot. <laughs> <laughs> they could have they could have been the paper of record on AMI. Oh, oh that would have been good. But they didn't. There, there was no AMI in there. No so what, what was the what was I haven't read this yet. What what was what was what's what's going on over there? Are they just saying Amazon's evil or Amazon's good or what's 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 the story? Uh, a little from column A. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the article that uh, we're talking about is called uh, "Prime Leverage: How Amazon Wields Power in the Technology World," uh-huh. and it's got some choice quotes about things like uh, Amazon. You know, strip mining the uh, the open source ecosystem, and you know how they take, 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 and and never give. And you know, the reality is, it's not. It, it's a lot more complicated than that. And you know, the the funny thing is, uh, there are a few non open source companies that get thrown into this umbrella of people having their lunch taken by Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and and so the, it it kind of comes off like, you know, for those of us who are, you know pay attention to inside baseball is like yeah probably a bunch of you know the companies unhappy with amazon all got to voice their opinion and amazon did not comment and Mm -hmm. uh it's it's it feels like a bit of a hit piece um but uh oh right i see what you're saying like i like you know the people had an idea for the story and amazon didn't want to comment so it kind of proved the rule that if you don't comment on a story your comment is not in it like it's just uh, you don't you don't get to put your 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 slant on things yeah yeah so you know you've got quotes from from elastic and uh probably uh mongo and you know uh maria db and you know it's like companies who they do open source and amazon takes their work and you know runs with it and you know unfortunately like open source never promised you a business model and um Mm. that's that's you know (laughs) if you don't like it well 
one, don't open source your software, or uh, <laughs> two, play around with your licensing if you can. But uh, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was the the, the thing about uh, you know if you if you search for Mongo DB AWS, you don't find MongoDB on AWS. You find you know the compatible with MongoDB service. Uh, oh, undoubtedly, yeah, yeah. they're clone. You know, undo- yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly, Amazon is putting their finger on the search results. Um, they've been guilty of doing that on, on, uh, you know, uh, other, other markets that they, they manage, but, uh, I don't know. It, it still feels kind of, it's, it, it's, it's sort of like, uh, I mean, sort of being the operative modifier here. Like I, I imagine if you were like, uh, you're doing that IBM PC back in the day and all these clones come about, you're probably pretty frustrated that you didn't figure out like having that not happen. Or, but or or losing out of the potential of it. And it's similar. Like it's now it's kind of the reverse, right? Like if you do some uh, you do some open source thing, uh, instead of the underdog being able to uh, clone a PC, so to speak, instead you have uh, the most powerful person can do the uh, the clone, which must be annoying. But yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it is quite a pickle. What to do about that? Because like, <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's sort of like you you don't really want your license. I mean, I know there are now are licenses like this, but you don't want it to be like, you know, code wants to be free except for that person over there. Code exactly. doesn't want to be free for that person. Yeah, if 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 it's not free for that person, well, it's not very free. Um, it's ju- but ju- judgmental open source. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah, but the the closing quote is kind of perfect. It's just like. What choice do we have? He said. Right. Well, it does. They do their best to draw quite a bit of analogies to the retailing segment, right? That seems to be kind of the yeah. the. I mean, just for maybe somebody that isn't steeped in tech, I think that's kind of the analogy they're saying is like, well, Amazon. You've heard about Amazon cloning retail products and promoting them, you know. And then I think the analogy they make is like, well, that's happening here too, right? And it's sort of like, well, not really. I mean, kind of no, right? I mean, it's sort of different. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing, but it, it is interesting because, like, definitely, <laughs> two things were 100 percent true. Some of Amazon's biggest competitors that were affected by this were in the article. Then, uh, from what I could tell on Twitter, all the people at Amazon that are uh, paid to advocate for open source were like, "Oh, this is this is just not right. This doesn't get anything <laughs> right." So it's like you're like, "All right, we all now have assumed our correct positions." So it was yes. uh, it was kind of funny just to see kind of the, I don't, I guess partisan, you know, if you will, um, partisan kind of reactions to it. So um, I do think though it'll be interesting going forward, and I do think this is going to lead into. I, I predict, man, I'm going to make an early prediction here before we get Uh-oh. into uh, Ask SDT. I actually think this entire open source uh, kerfuffle is going to fade away next year. I think it's it's going to um, not really become um, an issue. And I think the reason is some of the the major companies that have been for, have been funded with lots of venture capital, they're sort of going to mature. They're either going to be successful or they aren't. I think less VCs will put less money into open source backed projects, mostly because some of the Docker as one outcome that sort of didn't go that way. So what I think you're going to end up with like is healthier overall. You have less money in open source, which is probably good. Um, so you don't need these people that necessarily need these like billion dollar exits. And I think they're going to, um, I think a lot of the, they're going to either Going, they're going to go into the market knowing one of two things. You either have to partner up with the major cloud providers or you got to be super specialized and do something that they're really going to leave you alone. So that's my well, prediction. Less controversy, less money, but maybe, maybe I'm even going to go as far like new, more focused open source projects. See, I, 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 th- I, I, I think with the same story you're getting or you know, with the, the same uh, inputs, you get different outputs. I think there will be less money. Um, because, you know, like you said, because Docker, you know, because people were burned on their open source investments. But I think because there's less money, you'll have less innovation. I think <sighs> the stupid money lets people try stupid things. And it's an opportunity to go big on some crazy ideas. And if you take away those guardrails, um, I mean, or, or actually, if you if you add these guardrails that you know, kind of constrain the opportunities to try something possibly ludicrous, um, you're going to get less experimentation. And what you'll end up with is more curated open source to feed the cloud vendors. And you'll get like doubling down on, you know, enterprise features on Kubernetes, but you won't 
get like somebody trying to do a Kubernetes takeout. I do. That's, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I guess let me define, be more clear in my, my incredibly accurate prediction here. Uh, it would be <laughs> that like, when I say there's going to be less venture capital, I still think there'll be people uh, raising like a health, healthy seed in Series A. So like, you know, whatever, whatever that comes like yeah, a couple yeah, million yeah. dollars, so maybe sub 10 million. I think there'll be a lot of people that, that VCs will, um, often fund in, in, in hopes of like, you know, if you will, being bought necessarily, and maybe not like the large super VCs, but kind of maybe more the, the smaller ones that are maybe, you know, uh, content with, you know, dare I say a five times outcome, right? Like, Hey, this is a, an obvious place that, you know, the cloud, uh, vendors are going to be looking at. So why don't we fund something and see if they get bought? Maybe that's not a home run, but that still does well. So I think you're going to see that happen. I just don't think when I say like the, the mega ones, it's like the, I don't know what the final Docker raise was. I think it was like hundreds of millions. So it was at least over 100 million, right? And I think that's the one where that traditional, like we're going to use open source to bridge to a traditional enterprise company and use, you know, because most of that enterprise, that money goes to enterprise sales and marketing, things like that. I think yeah. that will be very <laughs> unlikely innovation. to happen, right? I think that will um, be shut down for the foreseeable mm. future. Mm. See, that's a good, that that's a good prediction. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would actually agree with that. I think as long as the A and B rounds don't dry up, you're good. I think it's when, when there's, um, if you lose the early stage funding, you don't get to try new things. Mm, this is, that's true. what I keep telling my son. If, uh, <laughs> if you lose, if you don't get your, your early a round, then you don't get, you don't get a B round. No, put your shoes on socks first. <laughs> well, uh, we should get to the ask SDT stuff, but we do have one sponsor to go over. Which one of you would like to tell people what they should listen to after this and all the episodes of this podcast they haven't listened to yet? I will ha be happy to read it, uh, Kote. This week's sponsor is uh, the Arrested DevOps podcast. And if you are a software-defined talk listener, then we know you love tech podcasts. And this week, sponsor is another great tech podcast, Arrested DevOps. Arrested DevOps. The Arrested DevOps podcast will help you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awareness. Also, I'm going to break away from the ad copy for a minute. If you want to hear a great interview with Kelsey Hightower, guess what? We're not doing it. But you know who is? Arrested DevOps. They just did it, I think, two weeks ago. So you can go listen to them and hear a great interview about Kubernetes and all things that Kelsey has to say. And I want you to know that Arrested DevOps is hosted by Matt Stratton, Trevor Hess, and Bridget. I don't always say the last name, Matt. Help me out. Thank you. All the hosts are active in the DevOps community and they help put on DevOps days all over the world. So what are you waiting for? You can subscribe today by searching Arrested DevOps in your favorite podcast app or by visiting www.arresteddevops.com. And of course, I want to take one minute to thank all the sponsors this year. That's Plastic SCM, PagerDuty, TrackJS, HideMyAss, VPN, and of course, our longtime friends at SoloWinds. So thanks for everyone for sponsoring the show this year. Thank you. Yeah, it was nice. So definitely hide my ass. Wins the best name, I think, <laughs> yeah. for, for for the uh, for the for the year. Sorry, Pager Duty. <laughs> you lose to hide my ass. Let, let's say let's say best new name that I haven't heard before, which maybe doesn't say much. Well, I have come up. We have we have uh, nine uh, ask SDD questions. SDT, not the other way. And uh, so I am going to use, did you know that you can go to Google and they have a little interface to make j random numbers, which at the moment I, I clicked on it several times and it had five a lot. So I'm not sure if that's random. <laughs> Although, isn't that the point of random that like it's random. Therefore, if it generates the same number, like however long it is, technically it could be random. You just wouldn't know. It doesn't feel random. This is yes. true. This is right. Uh, this is frustrating. There must be some sort of, quack, you know, philosophic quagmire where you can never be sure that something is actually random or not or we could just use the number generator well it doesn't let you repeat numbers that's the other option so Ooh. you know either way that's either way that's a good one debate, debate the end of the world or just you know a semi <laughs> unordered shall i say an unordered list of numbers one through nine would, would probably <laughs> you know, suit, we, we, would suit our needs as well i think we, we don't have that many questions <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove that thing about can you actually tell if if something is random or not from from my mind. I'll think about that later. Well, the first number I generated was two. 
Okay. So let me let me. This is this is from uh, from Ryan in Slack. These are all from Slack, I think. And uh, it says, as industry vets, what advice do you have for the new school a- uh, IAM, like you know, identity access management slash monitoring startups, other than integrate with AD? So, how about since it says IAM in there, we'll go with you first, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good question. I think you know. <sighs> It was interesting when I read this one and it's so identity and access management. I guess one of the things I'll just say is like how little anything changes in identity and access management over such a broad, you can maybe say this for lots of different enterprise things. So I think, you know, there is, if you go to the identity and access management conferences, right, if you're into those meetups and that kind of security world and things like that, and it's really a niche inside security, you know, there are always these talks of, you know, something's going <laughs> to replace the password, right? That's always a common one. Um, and that it's still just wrong. Like the way that we do it, identity and access management is always bolted on after the fact. So as a startup here, I, I think it is hard. If, if you truly have a, a novel approach, um, then it's interesting to see. But because of all the integration that's required, it is very limiting. And I think anybody here that sort of is trying to... Um, get rid of the password, I'd say, I'd say, stop, don't do that. Don't try to do that. Stop your business plan, go back and maybe think of something different. Because I think uh, Dave Terry from one uh, password, you know, you know, he, he was talking about one of the reasons they sold some of the money in one or some of the equity in one password was, you know, he just kind of said, it's like, he's like, I don't think passwords are going anywhere. But I guess in theory, like tomorrow, someone could come out and just like defeat the password. It's like gone forever. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's like, you know, every few years people are talking about that it never happens. But you know, for him, it's sort of like that would be an existential crisis for one password. So I think, you know, in this case, I hate to say it, it's sort of boring. It's sort of like this is still a place where incremental, you know, improvements are probably still going to rule the day. There's companies that are going to you know, continually do well. So it's more of the boring stuff. Like what are things and the friction that's still um, if you will, buried inside these identity access management tools and how do you make it simpler without trying to radically rethink it. And if you're going to go radically rethink it, mm. just know many have tried uh, and many have <laughs> failed in, in your Good path. Good storm of the um, castle. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, what's your risk tolerance, right? If you're trying to be a billion-dollar company, go try to defeat it. If you're trying to you know, be a company that has some success, probably need to just you know, incrementally fix some, some part of it. That's Can right. you make a startup incrementally with, better. Can you make a startup going after that incremental friction though i mean is there is there a niche there that is potentially profitable yeah i mean it's it's a lot of the some of the world that you know you play in too matt is you know this auditing world right certainly the ability to make audits better and the idea is you know if you want to just think about how do i take the time to like not only see what my users are doing but more importantly what they have access to because again this is you know probably a boring startup pitch but so many people spend so much time and money with auditors right having to do these audits over and over again and you know there's companies like sale points one right it's probably a four or five billion dollar company um there's a bunch of other smaller identity access management um companies out there but i do think the other thing i'd warn people about or just you know advise would say it's a very people intensive business you know enterprise software we can probably often debate is it really services or is it really software? In the case of energy and access management, it usually is a toolkit that you're taking yeah. to your customer and then you're doing a lot of professional services to, one, integrate the product into their environment, and then, two, writing all the necessary configurations. Sometimes it's called those rules, right? But it's still you know, some kind of de facto coding, whether it's like you know, using XML or JSON or some other you know, kind of format they have for rules. So it isn't something that you know, you're going to just put out there on the internet and scale up to a billion users and you know, it's pretty much mm-hmm. everything's automated. It's definitely a, a services kind of play. I think that, that, that hits on the, the one thing I was going to say is it seems like... Uh, it seems like a lot of startups, they should s- spend more time thinking about like how they're going to sell their stuff as, as yeah. like a feature of it in the sense of uh, if if you are going to do like something that is as much a, a commodity is the wrong word, but a, a, a incremental improvement thing as like, you know, identity management or monitoring, you should think early on about like, so maybe one of the things is this is really easy to get a hold of and it's cheap. And like, it's easy to get started up with it. 
rather than having to uh, do a traditional enterprise thing. And then what do I want need to do as a company if I want to sell things that way? And how do I product manage out what I can sell? I mean, as we're always talking about, it's good to be, get paid for the stuff you do. And uh, and then also the point of, of the, it being a human business, you're probably going to need some partnerships with a bunch of SI types who uh, are interested. So then, you know, you might think about how would we write this product so SI people like it? And uh, it's nice for them to use. So thinking about that early on uh, seems valuable. And, you know, the other thing is make sure to have a product instead of just like <laughs> an idea. Well, things. but, but you know, coming back to this question, I think monitoring is kind of the other end of that, though. Like people want to people want monitoring to just work without talking to a person. Mm. Right. And so, the, you know, I am definitely you're going to have to have enterprise sales. It's you're going to have to expect, you know, hand to hand combat conversations you know in the enterprise but monitoring you kind of like you need that you know simplistic you know simple adoption um you know word of mouth growth of it because yeah, monitoring, yeah. you know you're going to have to have you know crazy you're gonna to have to have crazy adoption to be able to make any money yeah no exactly that's that's a that's that's a good point too and, and it's just um like, 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 think early on about what your uh, your pricing and your 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 sort of sales model is going to be, and then what what constraints that drives for your uh, your product development, because it's hard to uh, hard to unscrew that stuff if they get misaligned at some point. But yeah, like you say, with monitoring, uh, you don't want people involved. It should just work, <laughs> and, and then and then and then you can you can sell it in a uh, uh, kind of a you know crawl up from the bottom type of way rather than having to go. I mean, yeah, it, it would be pretty, I suppose there are engagements like this, but it would be pretty nutty if there was like, like a, a, a six to 12 month, like enterprise wide, like monitoring bake off, like right. the, in, instead of, instead of people trying stuff on their own and, you know, being able to evaluate stuff uh, as, as whichever way they want to do. All right. I'm going to generate a, uh, another random number. And if it repeats, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take Brandon's suggestion. I'm going to generate it again so we don't have to answer. <laughs> oh, the number is nine. Oh, nine. Oh, that's a good. Nine one. says this is a, this is one for Matt. It says, Matt, what is your middle name? And that's, wow. that's from Jordy. <laughs> the Hilton. All right. Good answer. Matt. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> now, 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 didn't wasn't there consideration for maybe Marriott? Or you know, Motel Six, like just no. just Hilton. No, <laughs> no, just uh, it's a family name. It's been around for a while. You know, mm. my dad had it. His dad had it. You know, my yeah. son has it. There uh, you go. Boring. Yes. Well, hey, you oh, know. But, uh, here, here's your next time, though. It means King of the Hill. Mm. Oh. Go. Now, have you passed this on to one of your your children? I have. I have. Yeah. Okay. So, good. So, you didn't kill the line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to generate another number. <laughs> that part's audience, pretty exciting. The huh? audience waits. You know, it's good radio. All right. Good podcast. All right. I don't know what this one means. It's number eight. What would you say you do here? That's from, is that, <laughs> I, do you say Noe or no? I don't know how to pronounce anything. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think the question is asking, you know, um, the context was they said they didn't really know uh, what our backgrounds were. Apparently, they oh. missed the 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 interview series where uh, you know Cote gave his uh, was it a two part interview series about how Cote became Cote. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds indulgent. So kind of thing so I is. think uh, uh, you know I, I think we don't talk about ourselves. Well, sometimes we do, but uh, um, maybe maybe the quick we'll we'll, we'll go with the quick answers. Cote, uh, what uh, who do you work for, and uh, how long have you been there, and what do you do there? I, I work at Pivotal. I worked there for five years, more or less. I think. I think. Anyways, in January would be five years. And uh, let's see. I, I do. I do like marketing stuff. I go. I have three C's. I uh, I work on content. Uh, I speak at conferences, and then I go talk with customers. Oof, and uh, that's on and I do some, right there. That is on. Yeah, you like that? Oh, I do. I'm impressed. <laughs> I came up. I came up with that three C's on my own a little while ago. Uh, yeah, and then I, I do some sort of internal. You know, you talk with other people about stuff you should be doing. I used to, and every now and then I, I, I help like craft stories and how we talk about stuff. But now it's mostly those three C's. 
And I, I live over in Amsterdam to help out in Europe uh, instead of just uh, North America and traveling a lot. So there you go. Hence my familiarity with the uh, the sandwich that lost it, has lost its top. I just had one of those yesterday. It was it was a hot dog. No, you know, you know, the <laughs> European style like sandwich. They didn't really even tell me it was a sandwich, but it's like a piece of bread, and then they put stuff on top of it. But then there's no bread on top. It's like I don't even know what that is. But you know, you eat it with you eat it with a uh, a fork and a knife type of situation. Okay. All right, Brandon. Yeah, so I work at uh, GXC Technology, which is uh, it's a pretty large company that a lot of people have not heard of. But essentially, you know, system integration. What I do is I'm in product management, or as GXC calls it, offering management. And we help companies that, for the most part, that want to migrate usually from a traditional data center up to usually one of the major cloud providers. Or maybe they're just doing some upgrade on place uh, and they want to get to some new technology and finally, you know, we work with partners like Pivotal, among others, right, to help companies maybe convert over and do some digital transformation, as the kids like to, like to call it. So, been here just just about a year. So, uh, so fairly, still I guess fairly new at this job, but you know, it's been a good year. And Matt, what is it that you do? Mm, so, uh, I work for Chef, um, Chef Software, uh, not uh, not the food cooking kind. And uh, I live in Sydney, Australia. I moved out here about uh, three and a half years ago um, to kind of kickstart our APAC business. Um, I've been a chef for nine plus years. Uh, and when I joined, I was employee 16. And now there's like oh, 300 or something. Um, so I've kind of had lots and lots of different roles uh, from, you know, uh, product uh, partner engineering to uh, you know cloud uh, cloud partnerships, um, prof- uh, professional services, um, pre sales architect, community stuff. Uh, I was a senior developer evangelist, <laughs> um, but oh, yeah. now. Uh, now, now my role is I am the uh, regional manager for APJ and customer architect. Uh, so I'm a manager with nobody reporting to me, which is sweet. Mm. And uh, the customer architect part is I work with our large customers in the region to make sure that uh, they're solving their technical problems with our software. Not problems, opportunities. They're, uh, they're using it. <laughs> <laughs> they're using it. Uh, they're aware of all the new features. I I write some code. I debug stuff. Um, I architect. You know all that fun stuff. Sometimes consulting. Sometimes training. Yeah, it's, it's a fun gig. Wow, you worked there. You worked there nine years. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think of it. The chef being that old, but I guess I guess it is. Well, chef is twelve years old, and so I got there right when they raised their B round. And uh, uh, and I've reported to a lot of different departments over the years, and yeah, now I'm now I'm over here in, in APEC. Hmm. Oceana, didn't it's not Oceana anymore. Uh, we say APJ. APJ. Yeah, we don't say Oceana anymore. <laughs> Never did. <laughs> All right, I used my random number generator, and the new number is four. <clears throat> four. This one has some forward slashes in it. Ooh, and even an at all. Very nice. Uh, what tech conferences are worth going to that we haven't heard of? Are there interesting things that are smaller scale than the reinvents forward slash Dreamforce forward slash at all? Also, I like the choice. There's spaces around those forward slashes instead of being uh, embedded in there. We'll have to call up the copy desk at the New York Times and ask them how they would do that. Uh, anyways, that provide great information and attract a really interesting set of speakers from Tim. Hmm. Mm. You, you know, you know, I'm interested in the answer to this question because I run out of uh, conferences to go to. But I'll, I'll I'll go over a couple that I've I've been to. One uh, uh, over here in Europe. Uh, there are like so. There's 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 a uh, every now and then like a, a tech company will have like a small regional conference and. The attend lots of attendees tend to go, to go to those because they can't travel. So those are kind of interesting to look out for, uh, but sometimes they're really lame and they're just like uh, like big tech companies or, or are you yeah yeah like yeah yeah, or? yeah like the, they'll often call them forums or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
there'll be like this kind of not, not necessarily like a replay, but like a you just a, a smaller version. Like this is the one for France, or you know, this is yeah. this is the one well, for this, I, that, and the I other. I went to the, the Kubernetes forum last week, right? Mm. Yeah. See, exactly. Now there's another one. Uh, the uh, up in London, the, the I, I forget what the the ownership is, but whatever company owns the register. Basically, the register puts on a couple of conferences, and I, I've been to the continuous life cycle, I think they call it, uh, for the past three years. And that's that's a nice conference. They have it over there at the, uh, I think, the Queen Elizabeth II, which is mm, not the most attractive-looking building from the outside. Uh, but it is a really nice conference venue. And, and it's nice because it's kind of small. And uh, like a lot of these like types of events, it brings a good cross-section of people right because you go to a devops days and it's just a bunch of like system administrators and vendors who are there but this this other one the topics are very like uh kind of just like software and development and things like and and also cloud stuff so you get a good set of uh talks and and uh, a pretty wide swath of people uh that show up there that aren't you know just like startup people who complain yeah. that, uh, that red hat is too expensive like that that one guy had <laughs> at devops to amsterdam that's such a that's such a great story this is what too expensive well how much is it i don't know i've never looked <laughs> there you go there you go yeah how i mean about, when how about yourself matt what do you what would you recommend yeah i i, I for was... this question we're not at that part of the podcast yet. <laughs> um there, there's kind of two takes on it. Uh, are you talking about as a vendor or as a, a attendee? As a vendor, mm. um, you know, going to the reinvents and Dreamforces or whatever, that's that's crazy expensive. Um, I mean, you're talking, you know, $100,000 for a booth at reinvent or more. Um, and, you know, some of those conferences are worth it. Some of them aren't. Uh, but math gets more brutal as you know, as you spend more, right. You know, are, are, what's the quality of leads that you get if 80,000 people are walking in the door. Um, so there's definitely that, uh, I tend to like the smaller, more focused events as a vendor. Um, if you can, you know, get a higher quality of, you know, sorry to use that term, qu- higher quality of attendees, like people who actually have purchasing, purchasing decisions are closer to, making choices around software who can actually influence things that's where you want to be as a vendor and you know maybe it's reinvent maybe it's you know a bunch of small uh conferences um that you know maybe maybe our listeners haven't heard of them um things uh, you know over here we've got uh uh you know there's things like uh uh what's the garden you know gardener's got some stuff um the uh there's a here in Australia. There's a group called Adapt that does some like CIO summits and you know CTO Edge conferences. You know that sort of things where it's like it's a small attendee list. You know maybe 200 people, but hey, they're all CIOs and CTOs. It's like that's pretty sweet if you're a salesperson. Um, and you know, and so the talks kind of end up more focused on like those people and less practitioners. Um, if you're a practitioner, like I love DevOps days and um, a lot of the smaller, uh, they're not community events, but they're, they're kind of like that, you know, like I haven't been to, uh, you know, the, the redeploy conf or, um, Monotrama, but those sorts of events are usually really good if that's your, if that's your thing, right. Cause they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're very focused on what they are. Um, probably, you know, single or two track, um, you're going to have really high quality content. Uh, and they're, they're not, big soulless corporate events they're you know labors of love and they're going to try harder to pull in interesting stuff um so i typically like the smaller conferences as an attendee and um you know the kind of the corporate ones as a vendor uh just because you know your your cto's don't go to devops days how about you brandon what what are what are some some events people uh maybe don't know about. Yeah, I think, you know, some good recommendations. There. I think just to add on a few other things, would say like one, um, not necessarily a conference, but a lot of the larger vendors will actually do on-site training in most major cities. So I actually think that is, if you are someone that's like your company's bought a new product or is going to be using something, it's worth, you know, even emailing the account rep or at least looking on the website and getting on the list of training. Because I, I do think, you know, different platforms have different types of training, but I, I'll just like 
plug the AWS training. I think it's really good. I think Google goes most places. I think Pivotal. You know, at one point, I think Cote, there was some good you know, Pivotal training out there as well. So sometimes you have to pay. But also, too, if you just ask um, the right way, you can often go to the training. And especially if it's in your area, it's really good because you will often meet um, the solution architects in the area that work for the company. So it's good to just network with them to like know who to ask questions with. So I think that's a, a, a good place to go. I do think, again, not really a conference, but you know, just on your own interest, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, there's more and more podcasts are doing recordings, live recordings uh, at various shows. So that's interesting just because you're sort of, you know, you get to see your tribe, if you will, in person. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But, you know, just by definition, right, if people go into a podcast that you like, will often uh, end up in a bunch of interesting uh, recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the finally, the other one I'll just say, it's like, if you are truly interested in any given subject, one, don't be afraid to create your own meetup. Like here in Austin, I, I don't know if they've done it before, but they, I was looking today, they did a DevSecOps, right? So that was basically a day mm. of security and ops coming together. It's, it's by, there's a pretty strong group of people here in Austin that do a lot of different conferences like Ernest and, and the crew over there. So don't be afraid to get involved early, especially if there isn't a conference on the subject you want. Likely there will be. And, and that, you know, we see these conferences go through a life cycle at the very beginning. It's a ton of knowledge exchange, right? Because there really there are no vendors, just because it's like brand new. No one's organized, right? And then you know, four or five years, it'll be much bigger. It'll be maybe a little bit more structured. So depending on what you want to do, like maybe look at how many times a conference has been ha- has happened. If it's really early, it's going to be a little bit more disorganized, but could be a lot of good raw information. If it's been going for ten years. Yeah, you probably will have to like, you know, people will be asking you for like your information, make you a lead, but that's still, it still can be good. It's just, you know, you got to know what you're asking for. Well, that sounds good. You know, also, uh, I'll, I'll throw in the last thing that, that uh, there's still a lot of stuff like meetup groups going on. I remember when I moved here, I looked around and there's plenty of them. Not that I go to them a lot, but I've been to speak at a few of them. I always go to the ones I speak at, at least I try to, uh, but it's always Very it's generous worth of looking you, through, uh, Very generous of that's you, right. It's worth, it's worth looking through a uh, meetup for that. And also if you go to uh, it's kind of a reverse way to do it, but if you go to papercall.io, they have an event directory and uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of weird stuff in there, but it's, it's a fun discovery mechanism. All right. I'm going to click the generate button. Oh, nine. We've already done that. Oh, oh my I gosh. click it again. Oh, I just got five, five. Okay. This is a multi-part question. <clears throat> oh wait, no. Someone's already put answers in here. (laughs) Question number five. Why do you think we don't see more celebrity athletes featured in tech advertisements? Granted, I knew this writing was on the wall at one company when I I was at when we hired Mike Tyson for our CES booth. But uh, why hasn't that worked out yet? From Ryan (laughs) in Slack. So so definitely... uh, so we will in the show notes. We'll be sure to put the Mike Tyson videos that uh, uh, that uh, Dan, uh, you know, from Slack posted. Because um, <laughs> Mike Tyson talking about um, storage is uh, that's that's some high quality stuff. Um, why do we not see more celebrity athletes? I think because the price is usually not worth it. Like, uh, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm very negative on. Uh, spending sponsorship dollars on anything that doesn't have a, a very easy to follow ROI. So, like you know, when I have my company, we probably won't buy a Super Bowl commercial, won't sponsor you know a NASCAR team, um, or buy a soccer uh, team. You know, but uh, for whatever reason, companies feel the need for that kind of branding. Um, yeah, it's you know over you know companies like SAP and Oracle will will sponsor like golf and boats and junk or, like that. But yeah, it's not Rack- quite Rakuten the and the Warriors and you know Barca and yeah, it's crazy. What's Barca? Uh, <laughs> Barcelona soccer team. Oh, they're owned by a, they're owned by a large Japanese retailer. <laughs> yes, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know about that. <laughs> what What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think a lot of the reasons you guys hit on, I think the maybe answering questions slightly different, like what, what do tech companies do? Um, I, of course, like watched a ridiculous amount of uh, NFL and college football. And uh, so while they don't have celebrities, it's kind of the other way. Like Microsoft is a huge sponsor of the NFL. If you watch an NFL game and you see a player on the sideline holding a tablet, it will be a Microsoft Surface, right? And uh, IBM is a prominent sponsor of uh, the Fox pregame show. You'll see the IBM cloud stuff going there. And then at AWS this year, if you watched... Um, 
the Monday night, the Monday kind of the Monday night football. I don't know if it's football, but they, they had lots of references to football. Chris Collinsworth, actually, uh, he's the uh, announcer, one of the announcers that calls Sunday night football. And he's a, a real big analytics person. He owns this thing called the uh, Pro Football Focus, in addition to his responsibilities of calling the games. And uh, they use AWS on the show, right? They have like a AWS, like they'll do, they'll analyze some play and they have all the data because the players are all tracked and they'll do, um, you know, they usually, I think it's like in the second half, they open up with sometimes like sponsored by AWS and they show you some play and they give you all the analytics from like probability to make a catch to like speed to like, you know, it's, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that's probably what, I don't know what the overlap of football and tech is. I mean, obviously I'm a hundred percent. I don't know what everyone else is, but I do think uh, it's probably makes more sense for companies to kind of show how tech's being used at like popular sports. And I think the NBA does something similar with, I think either Microsoft or Google. So there's a bunch of them doing that way. And then, um, but the golfer still maintains, I think the golfers are still the number one uh, sponsors. And that's usually just because they can use, they get like two or three trips a year with those golfers to come out and play golf with um, their executive customers, right? Which many sales reps will say is a great way to close deals. So I don't know. Is that true? Is it not? You know, I don't know, but it is uh, get a bunch of executives who like to play golf with a famous golfer. Yeah. You know, probably, probably it's probably a pretty good day. It's a good day to spend money. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, and, and, you know, statements like this show some sort of like, uh, uh, what is it? Some, some, some sort of hoity toity bias of, of thinking that things are this way. But like, I feel like for a lot of like enterprise software, like a celebrity endorsement wouldn't be very effective to be like, you know, hi, I'm Mr. T and you should use my <laughs> mid tier region like you know office backup storage solution but that's it exactly works well for me yeah. i know i know which is also why it's so ridiculous right like it's uh it, it it is good advertisement in that way of like it's so crazy that you think about it but i don't know if you if we had uh let's say we had um who, who's i don't know celebrities anymore let's say we had uh how about the guy who plays thor whatever that guy is <laughs> and he was he was yeah. he was like uh so you should buy uh, Mesosphere. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know the name of the company anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it just seems like it would be kind of odd. Yeah, I think if we yeah. do- well, dove into the the Jack Trout of all the marketing stuff, would say like the attributes that normally we as human beings are attracted to the attributes of celebrities because we want to be like them and we want to get something we can do it. So typically those attributes don't change to enterprise software. I think that's the net net yeah. of it. So we'll see. Yeah. Maybe it'll change. Yeah. You get other sort of uh, nerd celebrities to endorse things and that, that tends to work out. People are we'll like, so and so said this. <laughs> oh yeah. I was also going to add, if anyone wants to hire me to go endorse things, just kind of stand at a booth and be like, Hey, it's me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm I, I can't do all of them because I do have a regular job, but I'm I'm willing to listen. I actually we could turn this on its head and say, how come more tech nerds uh, aren't uh, endorsing athletic things? Uh, I'm happy I could just oh, if, that's I, that's kind of obvious. I, I could sit there and just be like, I love the way they're kicking that ball. It's really good. You should get into this yep. too. Uh, well. I think I, I think we'll we'll have to save some of these questions for other times. Maybe we'll bring them in and out uh, as we need. But we got to we got to wrap up here with uh, with our usual. Um, is it a cavalcade? I don't know. A manifest, a, a list of things, and then our recommendations. But uh, I, you know, speaking of conferences, there's there's still a few coming up in January. Um, we haven't activated the uh, the Twinkie problem where they're going to taste better yet. So uh, in Seattle, there's Delivery Conf on January 21st and 22nd. And uh, you can get 10% off if you use the code SDT10. Looks like it'll be a fun conference. I assume it's about delivering. Uh, and then in, in, uh, do you have this on your calendar, Matt? June 1st to 4th is ChefCon? Uh, yeah, I will. I will most likely be there in Seattle. Now, I feel like I ask this every time, but like... Why would you decide to put an F if or not an F? Like, is con is more like a cultural conference, right? Whereas a conf might might uh, signal that it's all business. Uh, I I doubt there's been that much thought hmm. given to it. Hmm. <laughs> and then and then finally uh, on January fourteenth, uh, there's GitLab Commit uh, that you can conf. go to. GitLab Commit Conf. Yeah, we need to check that out. Do we have any uh, feedback or anything from listeners, Brandon? 
I just a couple of quick things. Uh, I sent some stickers to Zach in uh, McFarland, Wisconsin, and I gave. We talked about last week. We said we give away a book. I want to congratulate Joshua. He got the free copy of Writing Software. He said he's going to read us and send us a short review, which is fantastic. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. And when all these people ask me about interviewing the authors, I will just get free books and let you guys, the <laughs> listeners, go out and uh, read them and then tell me if they're good. So I appreciate that. And if you would like a sticker, I can't, I don't have any more free books, but if you would like some stickers, some software defined talk stickers, just email me at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Include your mailing and postal address. I'll be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. And, and as you know, we mentioned Slack. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can see a link to the uh, the Slack we have, how to subscribe. We got all that other kind of jazz going on. Uh, it's it's delightful. But with that, Matt Ray, Matt Hilton yes. Ray, uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, so I was kind of, uh, you know, thinking end of the year, seeing all the, the top whatever lists of uh, the year of the decade. And I started thinking about um, I'm, I'm finishing up uh, the, uh, the William Gibson, the peripheral book, and uh, really, really enjoying it. So that's kind of one of my recommendations. But um, I was thinking about the sci-fi concept ideas that really stuck around in my head. And um, the two that really popped out for me are uh, in the peripheral. There's this uh, uh, idea of the jackpot. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it because uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's one of those things about you know quarter of the way into the book you're like oh whoa whoa what what just happened um, but it has been floating around uh, you know in the front of my head for quite some time now and uh, uh, six and lose the dark forest uh, which is the uh, uh, from the the three body trilogy um, that's uh, that's still got one of the uh, the ideas in my head that uh, isn't going away uh, about like, you know, how, how likely it might be as a uh, theory or whatever. Um, again, not going to spoil that, but you know, the title is the idea of the dark forest. So, um, you know, I, uh, th- those are my, my recommendations picks, uh, really solid, uh, sci-fi kinds of books. Now, now do you think the peripheral would be a good audio book? Who, uh, it's got a lot of characters. I, that makes, to, in my mind, like a lot of. I don't. So I don't actually listen to that many audiobooks, and so I don't know how well lots of characters translates if you don't have like different voices. Yeah. Um, I think it's been optioned uh, for a TV series. Really? Um, yeah, well, yeah. And I can never get into that book. Like I think I said. How far did you get? Did you get to I the jackpot? <laughs> I got to this a bunch of like Russians on a boat. And something like that very confusing <laughs> yes yes it, it is confusing especially when you start thinking hey maybe this is our timeline uh but anyway yeah. all uh, right good stuff how about yourself brandon what do you have to recommend all right well this is really follow-up so i did recommend the watchman a few weeks ago i think I was, at that point i was on episode three so i finished the the whole series it was uh, nine episodes last night and i'm gonna say it's safe Everyone, it's safe to watch The Watchmen. I thought it was uh, well done. I thought, uh, unlike as we talked about before, the same creator of Lost and several other shows, but I thought The Watchmen uh, told, was, was plotted it- very well. Good narrative story. I think they answered the necessary question. So I don't, I don't feel any letdown or anything like that. It was a good investment of time. So if, you're, if you like The Watchmen, you're into this at all, go forth, enjoy the show, rest assured, it'll be all right. It'll be a good experience it- for you. No, no, I haven't watched it, um, but you know, big fan of the the graphic novel and uh, even the movies to some extent. Um, is it a single season, or, or is there going to be like Watchmen season two? As as of now, the creator they said there's just going to be a single season, and I think when you watch it, um, while there's always the possibility, you know, money, right? Money makes anything happen. There can always be another season, right, right, right. But it did but, feel but, like there, and I think this is what I like. It, it's almost. <laughs> Any new TV show that's sort of like in this genre, I almost want to know like how many, how long did you think about this? Like how much do you have? Yes. Like and that, like you yes. tell me up front. I'm in for that. But if at the end of season three, they're like, "Hey, here's hundred million dollars," and you're like, "Well, we'll just have aliens," or you know, like let me know. Just tell me. I'm getting out. That's that's when I want to get out. So this felt very much because um, as, as you know, Matt, right. And in one of the comic, like nine is a very important in the, the Watchmen, right. It's like nine squares on every page. Right. And everything like that. So, so it was just, there was a lot of symmetry. Like you could tell 
the showrunners and the, the the people that wrote it like clearly had a vision. I feel like they had great nine episodes in them. I think they've basically said that this is it, and I think I think it should okay. be. That's the way I would like it. Don't don't make any more. Go do something else. Mm. Nice. You know, I went with stuff like this. I often think there must be so many like un like fully developed unreleased things where someone has plotted out a big plot line and kind of like uh, what's it called, Jordawarski's Dune, like just yes. big big projects like that that uh, just never panned out or, or never got released. Well, I have a very small minor tactical recommendation. I'm holding here in my hand. You know, you go into a hotel room and uh, they'll they'll inexplicably. I just like to say that word. There'll be a little notepad with a perfectly spaced pencil or cheap pen next to the phone as if as if you're going to get some message and write it down, you know, uh, in this day and age. But I always think, you know, it's such a waste. These notepads, so much potential. So I have one from my my uh, from the Great Northern Hotel where I like to stay in London. And uh, I have it here on my desk with a pencil and I just like write little notes on it. Like I was writing, uh, you know, uh, Right here, what I'm looking at is I wrote hotel notepads because I hadn't come up with a recommendation yet. And so I'm just writing little things to remind myself and you can doodle. It's fun. And because, uh, you know, the alternative is you could do nothing or you could like sometimes I use like drafts to just write stuff in. But I think as long as you're fine, like of the, with the ephemeral nature, just every day you can turn over a new page and uh, you can start working with that. It's not a bullet journal or anything more complicated than that. Just get a little notepad, write things on. That's my recommendation. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the uh, show notes for this episode, we've got lots of links to news that we didn't actually go over. Um, but you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 210. And uh, we'll have to save up some of those questions for, uh, for to uh, answer in other episodes. But thanks to everyone who sent those in. That was great. It was fun going through the questions. And now I'm uh, going to try to get uh, you know sponsorship uh, for, from some sports outfit to go talk about how awesome computers are. I've got to work on the details of this. So if anyone has ideas, they, they should email me. And uh, go find a Barca lounger. Is that is that right, Matt? Barca lounger? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.